Hey there, you sexy beast. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. I felt like I had such podcaster voice right there. Did and you? I'm your other host, Angel. Hi, I'm Angel Lopez. <laughs> hey, everybody. Today, how are you doing? On the five o'clock news. 2024, everyone. Are you ready? Let's get at it. Ooh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've never been so unattracted to your voice in my entire life. New year, new you. What about it? Oh god, cringe. <laughs> Major cringe. <laughs> Well, you know, we made it, everybody. We're in a new year, so the government would have us believe. Exactly. Allegedly. You know time is a spiral. We don't really get anywhere. Allegedly, it's 2024. Yeah, who can say? Who can say? However, the astrology of 2024 is pretty mage. Not as mage as the astrology of 2025 or 2026, but it's major enough that we're going to do an episode dedicated to what you can expect in terms of the major transits. Mm-hmm. And we're actually going to do two episodes, so that way it's a little bit more digestible. Yeah, we found that it could be a good idea to just to like mirror the workshops that we do. Exactly. So you'll get the first six months in this episode, and then we'll give you another episode in like July where we go into the back half of the year. Yeah. And our goal is to bring on some other like really cool astrologers that we enjoy and have them talk about some of this stuff too, just as it's coming up throughout the year. Yeah, because astrology is a language and you want to get multiple perspectives. People who speak astrology poetry or astrology rap or astrology novels or I mean, I'm speaking metaphorically, but the truth is, is that Astrology is a series of symbols, and how you interpret it is deeply personal, and it connects to your own symbolic language. And so we want to we want to let other people kind of give you their take on things in addition to our impeccable take on things. Yeah, exactly. There's only so much you want to hear from us. And speaking of us, should we just introduce ourselves? Oh, that would be a good thing. Why don't you go first? I'm Angel Lopez. I am a film producer, a writer, and an astrologer and teacher of all things metaphysics. What a coincidence. I, Brandon Alter, am also an astrologer, a teacher of all things metaphysics, including tarot and animism. I'm also a spirit healer and a writer and uh, a performer. At, at some point in my life, I was a performer, and I imagine at some point in the future, I will, I will perform again. <laughs> as goddess is my witness. Could be today. I hope not, because I'm tired today. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired too. A lot of people want their cards read for the new year, and I get it. I read my own cards for the new year, but it's a busy time to be a an intuitive. Yeah, I need to read mine. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I have faith in you. Well, it's the new moon. We're recording this in the new moon Capricorn portal. We are. Happy new moon, everybody. Happy new moon, everybody. Well, you'll hear this afterwards. It's okay. But. It's okay. <laughs> Even if you're listening to this a day or two after it came out, you can still work with that new moon and Capricorn energy. And we should just say, like, it's a pretty powerful new moon in Capricorn because mm-hmm. it's the last time in our lifetime that the new moon in Capricorn will happen while Pluto is still there. Right. So it's your last Pluto-empowered Capricorn new moon. Should we get a check-in in? Let's check in in. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we can just check in. We just uh, were in Maui for a week. The best. Yeah. Heaven on earth. It really was. Just like the most beautiful place. I mean, we've been a number of times. It's like a tradition in your family. 
for decades now. Yes, it's true. My grandparents have been taking the family to Hawaii since I was a wee thing. Yeah. And it's a bittersweet trip, obviously, because my mom is no longer with us and my cousin Cameron's no longer with us. But we've been going to the same part of the island for years and years and years. And so it always kind of feels like coming home. Yeah. And the energy of that island is just so healing and nurturing and soothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Maui so much. Yeah, I love Maui so much, too. And it was... Uh, you know, obviously because of the fires there, you know, we had some like initial trepidation, like, should we be going just everything that was coming out of it? And eventually just given everything that's happened this year and your family, we were like, let's do it. And it felt like everyone local that we spoke to was very glad we were there. Yeah. I mean, tourism is so, the number one industry. So yeah. The messaging that we were getting, and if we're wrong, let us know. I mean, yeah. not that we can time travel back and not go to Hawaii. Uh, oh, but we did it. But yeah, you know, we, we felt like we were in integrity going. Completely. So. Um, and just had such amazing experiences. We hiked into uh, Haleakala and just had a crazy long 30,000 step walk through the crater. Haleakala... If you have never been, I would like put it high on your bucket list. Yeah. It is actually, I did some research. It is one of the quietest places on the planet. Well, it definitely is. Well, yeah. I mean, we experienced that, <laughs> but like it's documented that like if That's you cool. want uh, a silence that is, you know, basically the threshold of human hearing, that is Haleakala. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a silence that it doesn't feel empty. It's not like a void. It's a silence that like holds you that you can just like melt into. Yeah. You really can like just feel in complete presence in that space, um, especially like when a wind comes through and it ends and you're just like standing there when the wind ceases and then you really feel like the crispness of silence. Oh, totally. Yeah. And um, Brandon almost got killed by a uh, <laughs> wild uh, volcanic crater goose. Uh, was it a Nini? Was it one of the Ninis, the wild Ninis or the Ninis, the little I ones? The Ninis were the little ones. Yeah, it could have been a crater goose. I don't know what it was, but it came out of nowhere. All right. So we're doing this hike and the hike is like very steep decline into the crater. You like literally go, I want to say like 2000 feet in maybe like two miles. Right. And then there's like this long expanse to like the heart of the crater, which is basically where we hike to. So we didn't hike all the way across the crater, which honestly we could have done because it's 12 miles across the crater and we hiked 11 and a half. <laughs> yeah. We just went out and back <laughs> foolishly. Uh, but I mean, it was, it was an amazing hike that we did, but we went to one of the cabins. There are like three national park cabins that you can rent out like six months in advance to spend the night. I mean, they're not, glamorous they're like bunk beds and potable water but you know if you want to spend the night in the crater actually found out that phoebe and her brother did that once when they were like much younger oh cool i know right so we get to the the cabin and we're like okay this is our turnaround point and there's like a little picnic bench and we're gonna like have a little snack and there was this like goose like like just like chilling like on the outside of the cabin and i was like what is this goose doing here because there's not a lot of animal life in no, the crater there's very very little wildlife there so i was like all right what's up goose and the goose was just kind of like sitting chilling kind of in the shade so i went up to the the cabin front door just because like i wanted to peek in the windows and just like see what what did it look like in the cabin and you know as i said it didn't really look like anything and then i'd kind of forgotten the goose was there and so when i like walked back 
I walked around the corner and I almost like walked into the goose. Yeah. And that goose like attacked me. She like had had it. she got up, she got big, she started squawking and she like started charging at me as I was like backing up and I was like, "Oh my fucking god." But then all of a sudden I went like, "Wait, what am I doing? I'm bigger than you." And I literally said that out loud and I like put my arms out really big and in that moment the goose I think was also like, "Oh yeah, like you are bigger than me. Y'all lose this fight. And like backed away. But I felt so badly. I was like, I'm so sorry. I disturbed your peace, Crater Goose. But it was all okay. And obviously like that goose is used to people, which is why like she hangs out at the cabin because she's like eating all the snacks that people leave behind. Yeah. And like 10 minutes later, we just, we met a very nice man who was making his way to spend his night at that cabin. So that goose was about to be disturbed regardless. Yeah, I know. But I did, I did feel badly. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, goose. It was a, a good wild encounter. I mean, didn't didn't you like think I was gonna get like bit by a goose? I was scared, yeah. I was gonna have to like helicopter you out of there. Oh my god. Your gosh. goose bite. Can you imagine? <laughs> but there's no service, so there is none. It would have taken me a long time to get to get someone. You know, it's it's rare in this technological age to be able to go to a place where you are totally cut off and we saw very few people mm-hmm. we went on like such an amazing day the weather was warm and we basically had the crater to ourselves. and it's just for me such an emotional place this was our third time um like going into the crater and every time i just feel like my relationship with haleakala deepens yeah uh, I felt like I deepened my relationship with the ocean on this trip. Uh, discovered I'm a kayaker. Who knew? Yeah, Angel's a really good kayaker. I guys. love kayaking. Did it multiple mornings. Um, and uh, we had the really amazing experience of being out on the water because Brandon does stand up paddleboarding. So we were out there together and, and it was whale season. And we saw a bunch of whales on multiple days. Um, But our first day out there, we had kind of come across like a pod of them and they were way in the distance. But we were just we became like full on twister style, like whale chasers. Like we were just like over there, go. And we were just like paddling to try and get uh, close to these whales because we just wanted to like have a I don't know. I wanted to have like a totally like big spiritual experience with the whale i was like come on it's gotta happen for me and it kind of did uh it definitely did (laughs) no i mean like it was an unreal day so i actually think so the first time we went out stand up paddleboard and kayaking we didn't see any whales oh was it the second time yeah the first time we went out all right we just saw the we saw the turtles yeah we saw the amazing sea turtles but the second time we went out, the guy that put us out there, he was like, you see all those like kayaks and boats like circled up way out there? He's like, they're all looking at whales. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but like that's where I would go. And I was like, no, please tell us what to do. Yeah, we're like, we want to see the whales too. So we like hoof it. Like we go out they were really, far really out far. Yeah. But the weather was so amazing. Like the ocean was basically a lake. Like it was so still. Yeah. The whole week we were there. So we get out there and like the boats are like, you know, disbanding and there's obviously no action. And we're like, oh, the whales are gone. And so I turned to Angel and I was like, Angel, I was like, try to spiritually connect with the whales. And Angel was like, I already am. Yeah, I already was like putting my hand in the water. I was like trying to like send energy. I was singing Barbara Streisand's on a clear day out loud. Because whales love Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Well, they like a song. In case you didn't know. 
So we just like are chilling. We're kind of just like chilling. Angel in his kayak, me on my stand-up paddleboard, just kind of taking in the view. We're far enough away from the shore that we can see all of, you know, Haleakala. Beautiful day. And then all of a sudden, I see like the spouts, you know, when the whales are like shooting the water yeah. out of their blowhole. And what'd you call me? Uh, I called you a blowhole. <laughs> and after that moment, we basically chased whales for an hour. Oh, yeah. And the whales actually like led us in a great arc back to the shore where mm-hmm. our like hotel was. Yeah. But there was this one moment, Angel in the kayak was like cruising. Like Angel could go probably twice the distance yeah. in half the time that I could go. The stand up paddleboard while graceful and gives you a great view, does not give you speed. So Angel's like pretty far in front of me. And when there's all these whales, I mean, we must've seen, it was probably the same three whales, but we must've seen them like 20 or 30 times. Like we see the back fin, we see them breach, like we see the whole thing. This whale comes like, I want to say like 15 feet from you. No, it was not that close. It was so close, Angel. (laughs) It was so close. I mean, it was close enough that you heard it breathe. Well, I did hear it breathe, but 15 feet is like from here to the door. That's like, not 15 feet. <laughs> That's like 10 feet. Okay, maybe like 25 feet. It was probably like 100 feet. Uh, no, you were so much closer than that. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is this whale emerges out of the ocean in front of me, and I just threw my arms in the air like, wow. <laughs> like, it felt, I felt like I was in a movie um, and I was not afraid, you know, because that was what everyone kept asking me afterward. Weren't you so scared? And I was like, you know, I was at certain points, but at that exact moment, I was just exhilarated. I mean, it was exhilarating. Yeah. And I think I looked back at you and you weren't that far behind me. I mean, I was, I mean, I wasn't that far behind you, but yeah. like you were much closer and I was like, oh my God, Angel's so close to the whale. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was a pretty, um, spiritually sound experience overall. Well, you know, I think that sometimes people assume that to have a spiritual experience means you need some sort of like psychedelic out of body moment. When in my experience, like the most spiritual experiences I've had are when I connect with like nature, when I connect Mm -hmm. to this planet, it reminds me of actually like something bigger than myself and I feel connected And so I agree with you, like seeing the whales, seeing those amazing sea turtles, Mm -hmm. like those are deep spiritual experiences. Yeah. Because it reminds you of like who you are and the planet that we all share. Yeah. And I felt much just, I felt much closer to my soulful self. And I feel like I've come back from that trip having a bit more clarity and a bit more um, spiritual intimacy. Yeah, beautiful. I would love to host a retreat on Maui. Oh, that would be a dream. To like take people into the crater, to take people out onto the ocean. I mean, it really is such an amazing place and has such an amazing culture. And so many of the people that we encountered are they're wanting to share their culture. And it's just, yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, me too. And now we're back. And we love it here too. Yeah. But it's cold. It's very cold. I miss the tropical <laughs> island air. 
miss that tropical breeze. I know. Well, we'll have to go back. Speaking of tropical islands. Oh. How about we give just a little dose Dose of reality. Okay, so there is a lot of reality to discuss. You know, Drag Race is back. We're excited. The first episode was great. Another one tomorrow. Um, You know, multiple housewives. We're caught up with Miami. You know, we're into Beverly Hills. But really, the only thing to discuss is the season finale of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Because Salt Lake City is Salt Lake City, and y'all, it is eclipsing all the other franchises, in my opinion, thanks to... Monica Garcia and Heather Gay. Yeah. It's really crazy television <laughs> to be viewing. If you know, you know. Yeah. And if you don't, let me break it down for you. Yeah, break it down quick. Monica Garcia is an obsessed fan of the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City <laughs> who got into Jen Shaw's inner circle became embedded in the lives of some of these women and simultaneously was one of several people who were operating an Instagram troll account called Reality Von Tees that was basically dragging the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for filth. She manages to get cast on the show this season and shows up in what I think is like a star turn for a first season housewife. Relatable, funny, gorgeous, tough, vulnerable... And then in the final episode of the season, it is revealed that she is Reality Von Tees, And all of these women basically like band together to confront her, this like villainous internet troll. Yes. Right? Did I basically Yeah, no, sum that was it up right very there? well summed. And it, honestly, there's no spoiler here, like because the actual viewing of it is just so well edited and told i mean honestly you could just probably watch the finale episode (laughs) and enjoy yourself to some degree 100 percent. now angel and i are on opposite sides of the track here because angel thinks that monica garcia is like a well moralist (laughs) i can i can say okay what do you think what do you think of her i just think her look i'm a highly moral human being it is just like my makeup. I was trying to remember. There was actually some astrology that like really connected me to it. And I can't remember if it was maybe my Saturn in the fourth or my Jupiter in the first. But I'm just like someone who like I don't like a liar. I don't like someone who is not playing by the rules. Like I'm just like an obnoxious rule player. And so to find someone who is not playing the game very well in my opinion um or could have played it better by being more upfront and honest um frustrates me and i just think especially given that she is like kind of built herself on this identity of being like upfront and tells it like it is and not holding back and I'm like, but the whole season is built around you not telling a thing that you held back. So it's just like, 
it frustrates me because then I'm like, so you aren't who you think you are. And I don't think she's as, I think anyone who screams like their self-awareness at like the top of their lungs is not self-aware. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything that Angel is saying is true. I guess I don't watch the housewives for morality. I watch the housewives for entertainment. Of course. So if somebody can like entertain me and she has entertained me to the hilt, I forgive anything. And I actually think that she is a pathological liar for sure. But you know, like a lot of housewives are willing to forgive it. Right. I think she's kind of a genius mastermind. Now she's not like a super genius because she didn't execute maybe everything flawlessly. But I have seen that the Louis Vuitton that she says that she bought Uh was a fake. (laughs) So even that whole scene. So there's a very famous scene where she cries to her mother about going into a Louis Vuitton store and buying a bag because she feels so insecure around these women and she just wanted to have something nice. And she is a housewife that's not in a position to go and buy like a, you know, three, four, five thousand dollar bag. And so she does it anyways. But then a lot of screenshots of the bag itself have shown that it's actually maybe a fake bag, which makes that whole scene between her and her mom just really good acting, which as far as I'm concerned, makes her an even more amazing housewife because we know the housewives are scripted we know they do multiple takes of scenes we know that it's like just a semblance of reality so that's cool like i've already suspended my disbelief just give me the juicy tea that i want and monica has given it to me in spades and if and if that's what it takes honey like if you can self-produce in that way and give it to me where i believe it then honey you can be on my tv until the cows come home yeah, and we're just we have different approaches because I I I've also been incredibly entertained by her. Um, I've been incredibly entertained by the season, and I want her to come back next season. I think you need to have her back next season, and I think in the way that Erica Jane like made us all hate her and turn against her, or at least question her, you know, and is now on this season, and she's like risen to the top for me as like probably the person who I enjoy the most this season like that's just how the housewives work right it's like they ebb and flow and that's just the ride we're on with them um but to me i think like i don't like a, i don't like it when the cracks are too are too thick in it and like just even hearing what you've said about the bag like then that just makes me think of the like leaked footage of her mom and her fighting and her mom being like, you're an actress. You you fucked up your performance like you should have done better. Like, you know who your co-stars are, you know, and like you just realize like, oh, yeah, the two of them sat and had a glass of wine and they were like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get you a fake bag and we're going to film a scene to make everyone love you and say how hard it is for you to have to be on this show. And it fucking and worked. And no, totally. my props to them. But that's the thing. I don't necessarily like that. You don't like energy. being manipulated. Yeah, I don't like that. I prefer my housewives to be taken. Like, I like when my housewives are surprised by the fact that their shit is being caught on television. Yes. I like Listen, that. Listen, that, that is the makes best. the best. That to me is like the best version of the show when it's like, when Vicky Gummelson's like, oh, fuck. He is a con, you know, like, like I like that shit. I like when things are happening in real time because they like can't avoid it yeah, as opposed to like when you can't get plotted, that. you know, stories. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, the housewives have needed some revitalization because they've all caught wise and they're all producing themselves at this point. And it's so rare that you get a moment that is unrehearsed that at least if you're going to like pretend it's unrehearsed and i'm gonna believe it i i'll enjoy it i'll take it yeah 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 
Anyway, we could have this fight <laughs> forever, and we do, just not on the air. But I think let's head into this episode's Deep Dive. All right, kids, so let's chat the astrology of 2024. And it's here. It's here. We're in it. And, you know, there's a lot of astrology that happens all the time. But we kind of want to paint with some broad strokes and talk about the things that are occurring in 2024 that are unique. What are the transits that, you know, don't happen that often or that present unique invitations for us? Yeah. And we're just going to cover the first half of the year, as we said earlier. Um, yeah, because you don't need to look that far into the future. I mean, we might like tease a few things, you know, like, and we might even tease a few things that are happening in 2025 and potentially even 2026, just because as we know, astrology works in cycles and we can see where things are headed. Yeah. So what's the thing you're most excited about? I think the thing I'm most excited about is the Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in Taurus. Me too. Oh my goddess. What about that? <laughs> Why are you excited about that? Well, I'm excited about it because it's a positive transit. Mm -hmm. You know, like Jupiter in Taurus is helping us expand our connection to the earth and to resources. And Uranus at its essence is really about like liberation and so to me, it just like feels like an opportunity to really free ourselves from the way that we've been doing things in the past and to create new ways to like relate to the earth and to nature and to our own bodies. It just feels like a really bountiful and like buoyant, jubilant celebration of a transit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know, I like to look at Uranus as the revolution and, you know, it's the revolution that's at play in our lives. Like, what are we trying to, you know, what old ways are we trying to revolt against? And especially in Taurus, because it's like, you know, a grounded energy. Yeah. So what can we build? Well, it's interesting, right? Because like a lot of the revolution that's been happening since Uranus has been in Taurus has almost been like anti-revolution, like... I'm going to go back to nature. I'm going to like move out of the city. I'm like, mm, I'm going to be mm -hmm. rebellious in a Torian way. Like I'm yeah. going to go back to basics. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is really fun to see play out. Like even I kind of want to get a flip phone. Right. Yeah. And I think it's like about um, even just if you think of like beauty standards, right? It's like this revolt against like what has been up till now, you know, and people really trying to stand in their own authenticity um, and not feel crushed by what has up to this point been like a traditional way of looking at beauty or looking at gender. It feels like that Uranus and Taurus has been coinciding with a lot of that, helping to bring that up. Yeah. So it's really interesting, I think, to then see Jupiter come along and the two of them touch each other and... You know, Jupiter is all about like making things grow and bringing in a sense of prosperity and abundance. But it is just like a growth mechanism, Jupiter. So, For sure. Yeah. So it comes in and, and I think really tries to amplify, you know, the energy of that where that revolution is in your life, you know, where you are also like trying to 
create change because Uranus is also a change maker, bringer. Um, and so I think it's really important for everyone to be cognizant of the changes that they're trying to put in place in their life and to be really in the process of living as if those changes are concrete so that the Jupiter and Uranus combination can see that and be like, oh, okay, this is where we're, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Then like, let's amplify that in our lives. And tell the children when this is happening. So it's happening on 420. Hey girl. You know, you know. Okay. Not for <laughs> almost five years, but that's okay. I support all of you who do. But yeah, it's on April 20th. And you know, it's the first time that Jupiter and Uranus have been together since January of 2011, because you know Jupiter happens in 12 years of 12 or cycles of 12 years. Yeah, exactly. And the conjunction usually happens about like every 14. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that math is mathing, I think. Yeah, uh, just about. Can I tell you what I'm titling in my own mind this conjunction? What a nourishing pleasure revolution. Oh, because I think Taurus is also about like pleasure. It's Venus ruled. It's about like what feels good in the body. I think we've inherited this idea that like in order to like rebel or revolt, you have to suffer. And that's not necessarily true. Like a lot can be achieved through feeling good and through like following what feels good. And so much of the consequences of being under like a Christian heteronormative patriarchal worldview is that we've been given this like guilt and shame that isn't actually true about everything that feels good to us. And so, Mm. you know, like even if we think about, I mean, like we're queer people, right? Like we've been told that like what feels good to us, which is like loving somebody of like the same biological sex is like a sin or uh, like all of these things. It's like, no, there's, there's nothing shameful or guilty about like trusting the body and trusting the body mind to lead you in the direction that your heart wants to go. Right. Um, so naked parties. <laughs> naked parties. Nude beach extravaganza. Now, I think it would be like, you know, foolish of us not to just consider like, given the world we live in and the climate we're in, that, you know, Uranus brings revolution, can bring chaos. So Jupiter can amplify a chaotic energy as well. So I think it is just... You know, something to pay attention to, to as well on a global stage that if changes are being fought, <laughs> then, you know, this can bring an even stronger, you know, uprising revolution energy with it as well, perhaps. Yeah, we'd be fools not to not to mention that, but that doesn't mean that the majority of this transit is considered to be mostly positive you know Mm -hmm. i mean yeah when this happens the sun is in taurus but it is answering to a venus in aries who's approaching a conjunction with chiron and she's a little hot to trot you know when venus says in aries as we both know she wants what she wants when she wants it but she also loves to chase and flirt and like feel sexy so yeah she loves to fight well (laughs) does she venus in aries yeah. <laughs> Do you love to fight? Uh, I mean, I don't love to fight, but when I'm in the fight, I'm like, let's fight. Yeah, that's true. You don't back down easily. <laughs> that's why we've stayed together as long as we have. Exactly. Because you know how to show up. 
Yeah, my Mars and Pisces might seem quiet and sly, but your Venus and Aries shows up. Yeah, she does. She shows up. Yeah, she's got claws. <laughs> and I have the scars to prove it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, please. Okay, but also Jupiter moves slowly. So this yeah. conjunction, like it, it has a window that is more than just like the day, you know? I would say like, you know, basically two weeks before and and maybe a week after we're feeling that build up. Right. Yeah. Um, and for all you hardcore astrology heads out there, it's at 21 degrees. So you can mark that point in your chart. That's my ascendant. Oh shit. Yeah. 21 degrees Taurus. Girl, does that mean you're finally going to go blonde again? The Jupiter Uranus. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen that day? Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Also, knowing where Taurus lives in your chart will also show you where in your life you can expect some fun chaos. Yeah, for sure. So there you have it. I think while we're talking about Jupiter, we should just continue this Jupiter story by talking about Jupiter moving into Gemini, which is also happening in 2024. Oh, yeah. But I do want to just say that, um, you know, Jupiter ends uh, with a lovely conjunction to Venus at the last degree of Taurus. I know. That's also something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And that's May 23rd. It's also the Sagittarius full moon that day. So to me, like, that's like, you know, the real day of beauty explosion (laughs) yeah yeah there's no like uranus involvement i mean uranus is far enough away to not like intrude on the party too much right but then it's two days after that on the 25th that then jupiter does shift into gemini yeah but i will say yeah that sagittarius full moon is a really good full moon to be like launching things or releasing things because a sag full moon answers to jupiter and jupiter is going to be conjunct venus in her home sign of taurus like that is certainly a day to circle and um, to kind of like plan your year, you know, your first half of the year around like, okay, can I like meet this deadline so that like I have something to show? Like if you're looking to send out a script or launch a business or, you know, release a book or, you know, like look around that full moon because that's a really good election. Yeah. She potent. Okay. So then Jupiter goes into Gemini, which is a sign that, you know, traditionally, Jupiter doesn't love to be in mm-hmm. because it's technically the sign of its detriment because it's opposite the sign of its exaltation. Like Jupiter rules Sagittarius, loves to be in Sagittarius. It's a philosopher and a philosopher's sign. And so technically in Gemini, which is the opposing sign, it doesn't do so well. Right. But the truth is, is that Jupiter does well everywhere because Jupiter's Jupiter, you know, like Jupiter's pretty happy-go-lucky. Jupiter brings luck wherever they go. And there is a lot of things that Jupiter can grow in Gemini. The only thing that I kind of feel into in terms of like a dissatisfaction that Jupiter has is that Gemini is like very quick and it's all about like a surface understanding and a conversation and being able to like move on. And sometimes Jupiter wants to grow like deep roots and really like understand something more globally, which is why it lives in Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. It wants kind of like a broader understanding Whereas in Gemini, it might feel like, oh, we're, we're already leaving that. We're already going on to the next thing, you know, because we know our Geminis, they're like a butterfly moving right. from flower to flower. Yeah. Or I guess a hummingbird. 
sucking the nectar out of every situation. Mm-hmm. You know who you are, Gemini. Exactly. Sucking all that nectar. All those situations. <laughs> all those situations. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that it can get tired. Yeah. Because it can be kind of like a relentless pace in Gemini. Again, you know, Gemini, going to all those parties, always chatting everybody up. But the truth is, you is slut. <laughs> Jupiter and Gemini is going to give us huge breakthroughs in information, in technology. And the first thing that happens when Jupiter moves into Gemini is that it makes a trine to Pluto in Aquarius, which we haven't even talked about yet, but we've been talking about it forever. But the other big thing that we'll talk about in a minute is Pluto moving into Aquarius. But that happens in just a couple of weeks. And then it's there for like the next 20 years of our fucking lives. But when Jupiter moves into Gemini, it makes this trine with Pluto. And so Jupiter's able to do the heavy lifting that Pluto's requiring. So there's a lot of collaboration. And I think we're just going to see, and this is a prediction. (gasps) I think we're going to (laughs) see huge leaps forwards in technology, like, you know, come... Come the summer or whenever. When does Jupiter move into Gemini? Is it May, June? Yeah, May twenty fifth. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's gonna be a it's gonna be an AI summer, honey. Oh, get your avatar ready. Get your avatar summer body ready. Yeah, or get your flip phone and <laughs> ignore the whole fucking thing. But exactly. I do think that you know Pluto in Aquarius democratizing information and it it's gonna it's Pluto in Aquarius can go a lot of different ways and they're not all positive. But I think because it has that trine with Jupiter and Gemini, it starts off with some positivity because Jupiter's going to bless it. Jupiter's going to try to direct it in the right way. Yeah. Do you disagree? Yeah, no, I like that a lot. I think that because Pluto is, and I guess we can kind of transition into talking about Pluto re-entering Aquarius. Um, and that's bringing really big transformation to the collective. And we know that Aquarius is all about innovation, invention. So it feels like the massive transformations that are going to be coming into the collective will be through channels of invention and innovation and technology. So I do believe that, yeah, with the Jupiter kissing it right at the top there, it does feel like we're launching off in a pretty powerful way. Well, and you know what Gemini really wants to do about everything? It wants to talk about it. Uh-huh. It wants to have a scintillating conversation. It wants to spill the tea. And so I think that as soon as Jupiter moves into Gemini, because it's making that trine, it's going to spill the tea on Pluto and Aquarius. And we're going to be having the conversations about technology, about AI, about aliens. We're going to be having these discussions with a lot more transparency than we've had in the past. Right. Now, we might be having two conversations at once because, again, Gemini is all about duality. We might be having trouble with our attention span. We might feel a little distracted or pulled in many directions. But the tea is good, honey. The tea will be exceptionally uh-huh. hot and piping. You might just have to pee a lot because you're going to be drinking a lot of, you're gonna be drinking <laughs> exactly. a lot of tea. Exactly. Um, oh, it's going to make for such a damn chatty presidential election season yeah i'm not looking forward to those debates yeah gonna be lots of lies oh honey so many lies (laughs) so many lies so (laughs) many lies you know every sign is a liar you know like there's no one sign that is a truth teller 
even Sagittarius as the truth teller can lie. But I will say, and you know, full disclosure, I'm an air sign. Air signs are the greatest liars. Like it because it's in the mind, you know? And sometimes you're not even lying on purpose. You're lying to yourself. Monica Garcia, who we talked about, she's a Gemini, you know? She's a masterful, duplicitous liar. (laughs) (laughs) So there's also going to be misinformation. And that's also part of what I think Pluto and Aquarius is all about. But that's also about Jupiter and Gemini. Like fake news, you know? Like that's something that kind of started when... With the Gemini. With No, he's a Leo. Oh, I thought he was... Oh, with the Gemini moon. He's a Gemini moon. Yeah. 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 Um, But I do think like we are going to be entering... Because now, you know, like with AI being able to like recreate photos or videos in ways that like you really have to pay attention to see if it's true or not, there can be like a really quick firestorm spread of misinformation. He's a Gemini. He's a Gemini? Yeah. With a Leo moon? Yeah, I think that's it. Yuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, just had to confirm that because I was like, no, he's a Gemini. Wow, you're right. Anyhow, let's move on from talking about that person. (sighs) Any hoodle. (laughs) We're all liars. Some are better than others. So it's just something to be aware of, you know? And I think, I think Jupiter is inherently a planet that wants truth, but Jupiter, I was talking to my friend the other day and he was dealing with like a superficial health issue and he, you know, sent the, sent, how do I talk about this in a way that doesn't blow him up? Botched filler. It wasn't botched filler, but let's just pretend it was botched filler. Yeah. And so we sent a photo of the botched filler to one of our mutual friends. And our mutual friend was like, girl, that botched filler is bad. You better get it fixed. And I was like, well, you can always count on her to tell you the truth. I was like, and you can always count on our other friend to lie to your face. And he was like, well, what can I count on you for? And I was like, you can count on me to tell you the truth with love. And he was like, what does that mean? And I said, I'll tell you 80% so that you can absorb it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and that's what it is. Like, I would say, girl, you're beautiful regardless. But if you can get that fixed, you would probably benefit from it. Yeah. So, you know, I think with Jupiter and Gemini making that trying to Pluto and Aquarius and also just like Pluto and Aquarius in general, we are information wars, you know, Mm -hmm. who controls it, who gets it. Like that's something we're going to be dealing with Pluto and Aquarius and Jupiter and Gemini is about like having conversations about this stuff because we know the more we talk about things, the more into the light we bring them, the less duplicity can happen in the dark shadowy corners of government and business. Right. All right, so Pluto in Aquarius. I know, we've been talking around it, but we haven't talked directly to it, which is actually in some ways very Pluto in Aquarius <laughs> because Aquarius is the sign of detachment. It's the opposite of Leo. And I think something that's just interesting to talk about is that Leo is the sign of rulers, the sign of kings, the sign of heads of state and business and things of that nature. And so with Pluto starting, you know, a 20-year cycle of opposing Leo, I think we're going to see a lot of shakeup in terms of leadership. Oh, definitely. So that's where I'm like, you know, not to get too political, but like Biden is already established leader. Dump truck is already an established leader. But Pluto and Aquarius doesn't want an established leader. Pluto and Aquarius wants some sort of like democratization of leadership that actually happens. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, what happens when you have two people that are the only possible candidates and neither one is actually a viable candidate? Right. 
We'll find out. Stay tuned this season on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that happens on January 20th. And the interesting thing about that day is that that day actually starts with the sun and Pluto conjunct at 29 degrees of Capricorn. Mm. So they both meet up to kind of say goodbye together, though they're not. Pluto's not really saying goodbye because Pluto's going to dip back into the damn 29th degree of Capricorn for like three months in the fall which we'll talk about yes. on the next episode time we do this in yes, July. That is true. Um, One last gasp. Exactly. But, you know, the Pluto and Capricorn, I think we've come to recognize that it, especially in its, like, last 10 degrees has been a lot, uh, you know, has, has been focused a lot around uh, structures, patriarchal structures, um, societal structures that have just been in place for too long, um, and the need to shift them. The and, old mountain that needs to crumble. Yeah, and I think we've been seeing a lot of that. So it does feel like this dip in and around the last degree really makes this year like really potent for some of these. Uh, I can't. I don't want to say structures to end because I don't think it can fully crumble. You know, unless it's like we're looking at like a Berlin Wall situation. Um, but, you know, I do think we will see some sort of, like, structural collapse of something that we've been trying to, like, chip away at the foundation for a while now. And it does feel like something does come into play from that this year. And it does feel like that January 20th potentially gives us, like, a good glimpse into what is that. Because you have those two meetings, then you have the Sun and Pluto both shifting into Aquarius right after that. So, you know, the sun shines a light and it's really kind of shining its light, being present for that Pluto uh, shift. And, you know, Pluto did already uh, dip into Aquarius for a little bit last year as well. So this isn't its first step into it. But, you know, this is the year where we get much closer to its like final shift into it. So it'll be good to see it uh, re-enter once again. Yeah, I feel like we're getting, what's the, it's like the opposite of immersion therapy. Like, you know, like you can either like throw yourself into the pool or you can like. Detachment therapy? No, but you know, like where you're like slowly, it's like the way you, it's the way you detox from caffeine. Like you do it very slowly, like bit by bit. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. So like with Pluto and Aquarius, like we had it, we had it last year, but just for like, you know, two months, you know, yeah. like just, just the littlest bit, just so that we could like start to adjust to what that energy is going to be. Yeah. And then this year we're going to get it for a longer period of time, you know, for maybe what, like eight months when all is said and done, nine months when all is said and done. And that's helping us to like adjust even more. But we're going to get that little, I mean, I don't know if you can call Pluto and Capricorn a relief, but it's going to, you know, change the energy. And yeah. then in 2025, Pluto's in Aquarius and she's never not going to be in Aquarius until we're all 20 years older. So I feel like we are energetically, spiritually, call it the nervous system. We're starting to get acquainted with this energy mm-hmm. so that we're not so thrown off with this shift yeah. that we can't move forwards. Yeah, yeah. But I wish I knew what you know what I'm talking about, right? Like a like a weaning. Yeah, it's like the opposite of weaning. You uh, know, mm-hmm. like we're 
you know, it's like you go, like you jog for 10 minutes and then the next day you jog for 20 minutes and, and then you take a day off and then you jog for 30. You know, it's like, it's like we're, we're increasing our stamina for Pluto and Aquarius. We're acclimating. We're acclimating. Yes. And it's something to acclimate to. For sure. As one who had to acclimate from sea level to 10,000 feet when we hiked that damn volcano. Correct. Acclimating is really helpful. Yeah. Now, I think the interesting thing then, though, what about, is the interesting this shift thing into Aquarius about this shift into Aquarius is that the first like real aspect transit situation that occurs, well, you get a Mercury-Pluto conjunction on February 5th. Mm. And then a week later on the 13th, Mars and Pluto conjunct. So it's interesting. Like there's a lot of people that want to meet Pluto when they are in their new home. Yeah, exactly. Because all the uh, more personal planets, you know, Mercury, Mars, Venus, they're all kind of traveling in a pack together-ish for this first half of the year. Well, I'll be really interested to see, like, Mercury conjunct Pluto is going to give us the Pluto and Aquarius story, or it's, like, going to continue to deepen the headlines, you know? Right. So the conversations that are happening in your life, the headlines that are happening in the news, like, that's going to show us Pluto and Aquarius and some of the things that it wants to accomplish. Yeah, Mercury's going to walk up and be like, hey, girl, what's new? Like, where have you been? And also, oh, right, you were back in Capricorn. What are you going to do while you're here in Aquarius? Yeah, like, can I help you? Like, what do you need? Do you need me to tell anybody anything? Yeah. And then Mars comes along and is like, let's fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> let's go. Do you want to fight? Well, and that is, I mean, they are big fight energies, right? Mars and Pluto. Yes. But in Aquarius, they, they're they not going to fist fight. No, it's like a fight of, you know, of my, of the mind. Yeah. Or like they're going to use like drones. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're technology. Well, that's the thing is like we're entering into technology wars. Yes. War games. Well, yes. In a very real way, like we are going to see the evolution of Of combat. Oh, shit. The evolution of revolution. (laughs) That's like a single. (laughs) The evolution of revolution is coming today. It feels like a, it feels like a, like an eighties, like, uh, feels like a pet shop boy song. I was going to say, it sounds like the title of Kim Petrus's next album. Oh shit. That'd be good too. Kim, if you listen, take it. <laughs> she it's listening? yours girl. I know, but a girl can dream. Yeah. And if you are for some reason, Hey, Hey, slap pop. On, yeah. We loved your show in San Diego. I just want to say that guns were invented the last time Pluto was in Aquarius. Oh, which I just think, you know, like was an evolution of warfare, you know? Yeah. And guns allow you to kill people at a remove, right? Like you don't have to strangle them or stab them. You can, I mean, if you think about like what a sniper can do, you can kill somebody from like a really far way away. Yeah. This is a darker conversation than I generally like I to get know, here. But geez. like we're being, we're just like, we're given the reality. So, yeah, we, so were, we, did, we gave you Jupiter the top. Now here's Pluto. Here's <laughs> fucking Pluto. Sorry. Here we are. Hope you're acclimatized. And so I think like we're going to see a whole other way and not just about like killing people, although Pluto is death and, you know, one of its significations, but about like war at a remove, you know? Yeah. And one of the ways I think we're going to notice is like, as you said, like information wars, like the fight over like who gets access to the truth. Right. Who gets access to like what 
what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're all going to have to be like pretty vigilant about that. Like what's going to start to be hidden behind a paywall? What's going to be reserved to like certain members of, you know, the world and hidden from others. The high vibe of Pluto and Aquarius is democratization of information, you know? And I think that's what we all want. And we can see how that can exist. You know, the internet in its heyday, before it became completely monetized and disrupted, was about access and connection, you know? Like, I could go into a chat room and realize I wasn't the only gay person in the world, you know? Like, people in small towns could actually have conversations with other queer people or trans people or what have you, people that are into Settlers of Catan and oh. <laughs> not have to feel so isolated or alone. Settlers of Catan? You know, it's like one of those like very intense like eight-hour board games. People are like obsessed with it. Oh. I'm not, but for whatever reason, it was a reference. Because I also think board games are kind of Aquarian. Very much so. Now, another interesting thing about the astrology of this first six months is that all of February and all of March... All the planets are direct. Love it. Yeah, which, you know, we don't always get that. Even with some of the outer planets, we have those, you know, one of those will be retrograde. Um, But as of January 26th, Uranus will station direct and then everyone is in forward motion. So that really gives a lot of momentum to the collective. Where are we going? What are we doing? But it also gives you a couple more weeks to like cool your jets if you need to. (laughs) <laughs> true yeah because we're still you know clearing the mercury retrograde shadow and we're uh yeah we're waiting on uranus to shift out um but yeah until april 1st which is when we get our next mercury retrograde we are moving right along which i really like uh we will see pluto begin it's retrograde uh, back uh, in uh, toward Capricorn uh, on May 2nd. So it only gets to two degrees of Aquarius and then it starts to motor back. And then uh, Saturn won't station retrograde until June 29th. So, you know, a lot of the like planets are really in direct space um, for us all. Um and then I think the other thing is just, you know, um, our eclipse time, you know, eclipse. Um, we have eclipses occurring on March 25th at five degrees of Libra. And then we have that big total solar eclipse happening at 19 degrees of Aries on April 8th. The great North American solar eclipse. Yes. So total. But that one, you know, I think uh, definitely has like... You know, it has a lot of Aries energy. So it is like a pretty strong, potent new moon (laughs) situation. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Aries wants to assert its individuality. It wants to say, like, look at me, not so much in like a Leo way, like, but in a way where it's like, look at me moving forwards. Look at me being an individual. Yeah. And it will be conjunct Chiron. They're all going to be at 19 degrees. So, you know, it, 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 will, it has the potential to be a very sensitive one, to be an emotional one. But I think it also has a real potential for healing and setting yourself up to be the healer 
you need to be in your own life is really of importance that day. Yeah. You know, we've been watching a lot of this show called Couples Therapy Obsessed. and it's unbelievable. Hey, and Orna. one of the things that we see in this show Couples Therapy is that the traumatic narratives that get set up when you're young end up unconsciously being like recreated and you just like cast different people to play your mom or your dad or whatever. And so these deep wounds when they are unconscious just continue to wreak havoc on our lives. So Chiron is what hurts, but once we actually acknowledge what's hurts, but once we actually acknowledge what hurts, it gives us the power to start to make changes and to transform, which at its essence is what Pluto and Aquarius wants. It wants to transform the collective and how we relate to each other, as opposed to relating to each other through our wounding and like triggering each other and being so combative, like the way fucking Twitter a cesspool is. Like, what if we all like we're able to engage with each other from a place of like, what can I do to heal you? What can you do to heal me? How can we treat each other with kindness? How can we cast each other as like, not somebody who's out to get me, but somebody who's out to help me? Like this is the high vibe of Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah. There is utopian possibility. And so I do think with this Aries new moon energy, this eclipse energy, it is also an opportunity to be like, you know, how do I help myself, heal myself, love myself, you know, do the things that are necessary for that. You know, Aries is that like child, right? That child energy. So it does feel like with that Chiron there, and I feel like Chiron is all about like, how do we parent ourselves too, you know? Because what you were saying, like we act out roles and like the, the from our childhood and maybe we aren't good at parenting ourselves and we, this is an opportunity to see where we need to be able to parent ourselves in a better or new way. Totally. You have to be your own mommy and daddy at this point. Yeah. So that's a lot of astrology. And if you want more, you can buy the workshop. Just oh, yeah, slide into our DMs or send us an email and we'll send it to you. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, kids. Let's get a tarot card. So take a moment, connect to the cards by listening in to the sound of them being shuffled and just knowing trusting in your heart that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. And we are working with the Ace of Swords reversed. Angel just like rolled his eyes and like did a whole like. Oh. She's always got to be reversed. Oh, you know, let's <laughs> let's not get so hung up on the reversal. Uh, I'm hung up. This world is right side up and it needs to be turned upside down. You know what I'm saying? Allegedly. So the Ace of Swords <laughs> is a brand new story for your life. Swords are the suit that really speak to the mental realm how you talk to yourself, the word choice. It's mercurial, meaning that it changes, but also that it's ruled by Mercury, the great communicator. And so the Ace of Swords is an understanding of like, what is the great narrative arc of your life? When it's reversed, I would actually say that like, you don't need to like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes like we think we need to start over when all we really need to do is just like do a little bit of rewriting, pivot a little bit. Tell the story from where we are, you know? It's like season three as opposed to season one, but it's not a brand new show. It's just a different season. 
And so you might just consider that for yourself. Like, what is the story I have told about myself in the past? And then like, what's the story that I want to tell moving forwards? And what's the common ground between them? The sword is pointing down. So it does reflect a more inward gaze. But the sword is also being handed to you by the divine. And so there's an understanding that like, perhaps with all these planetary transits or perhaps just like in this first month of the year, which is the eight of wands, if you listen to our tarot spread, things are moving pretty quickly, but you're being handed some guidance, some aha moments, some secrets revealed about the story, the underlying narrative, the the structure, the bones that you're on, the track. Yeah, like if we think of the the story of our life as the track that the train of our soul rides on, we don't always get to see the track, you know? Sometimes it's obscured or hidden. But for whatever reason, this week, or until we meet again, so maybe two weeks, hopefully not much longer than that because we'll miss you, you're going to see the track. And you're going to get some real insight into the story that you're telling about yourself and what you're doing here in the world. And if you don't like the story, if you wake up to it and realize you don't like where the track is heading then get off of the track and hire a really good contractor and build it in a different direction. I think the most important part about this card is that you hold the sword. I mean, yes, it's the hand of the divine that holds the sword, but they're offering it to you. They're not going to like do like take backs. Like if you reach for the sword and you grab it, it's in your hand now. You have more control over your life than you think, than you've been led to believe. So how are you going to use all of your gifts? And particularly, how are you going to use what happens in between your ears to help you fight for your life? The life that you want, that you deserve. Fight your way to freedom. That's my wish for all of us in 2024. Here, here. Here, queer. In listening to you talk and thinking about it, it also made me feel like there's an opportunity to look inward and get some greater clarity around the old story that you're hung up on. Maybe you aren't like even fully aware of an old story that you're clinging to. You just wanted to say hung up again, didn't you? I don't know what to do. But yeah, I think that's really, really insightful. So keep track of the old stories Spend even more time crafting a really good new story. Or just like rewriting it, you know? Mm-hmm. You're closer than you think. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Got some good information about the astrology that's coming up. And again, we'll uh, do the part two of that in July. Until next time, this has been your transit through... The spiritual game. <laughs> <laughs> Snap out of it. You're a mess. I'm a share, bitch. I'm the ace of swords. Everything last to me. Yeah, I haven't seen the last one.